Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are getting in touch with ourselves by looking within. No, we're not going new age. Instead, we are looking at our country, the United States, and trying to understand it as a golfing nation. What is this country about? And does it have its own style or flair? How does it rate versus those destinations overseas? To truly get into it, we need an expert. Someone who has gone headfirst into golf culture and local culture and life on the road. It's taken him through Ireland and then Scotland and now the US. His latest book, A Course Called America, hits the shelves this month. But today, he talks to us. It's a pleasure to welcome Tom Coyne back to the range. Tom, thanks for joining us once again. Ralph, great to be back on the range where I need to be. Spend more time, for sure. Uh, Yeah, good to be talking with you again. Thanks for having me on, and hope you're well. Doing great, and you've got a book, new one, A Course Called America, 50 States, 5,000 Fairways, and the Search for the Great American Golf Course. I'll start with the basic. Why? Why not? Um, You know the because it was there ralph um no you know i'd done ireland done scotland and i felt like you know it became quite clear to me that i knew golf in ireland not just golf but i knew those countries i think better than my own because i'd been to every nook and cranny of them i researched them and read about them because i needed to to to, to write about them but i hadn't given my own country the same treatment. And, and there's this assumption. It's sort of like, you know, we used to live in Philly and we'd only go to the museums when like people came in from out of town. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's this assumption that you like, yeah, I know, America. Yeah, I get it. I know. Um, but the fact of the matter was I hadn't really played West of the Mississippi very much. I hadn't played Long Island. Um, I played the, you know, I grew up in Philly. We had great golf here. Didn't, didn't want for anything. So there was a lot to find out, figure out about golf in my own country. And I think for too long, I discounted our golf as sort of a pale imitation of Lynx golf in the British Isles, which is what I wrote about. And, you know, which is, you know, where I have had this, you know, deep love affair with, with, with that sort of golf. And, you know, since we don't have necessarily the same thing here, um, I was too quick to discount our golf. So I said, you know, let's give it its fair shake and, and let's go see America. Um, it was basically a chance for me to get to know my own country um, through its golf courses. It would be disingenuous to think you entered this without a ton of preconceived notions and biases. How quickly into this journey did you find them starting to fall apart? They'd like, whoa, I didn't realize this and this is completely out of the blue. Well, I'll tell you, it was, you know, it's 2019 when I'm, I'm doing the travel and so one sort of preconceived notion that I had in my travels is that, you know, if you're sitting at home and sort of watching the news um, and then you say, OK, I'm going to go visit all 50 states and I'm going to go see America. You know, you feel like you're going to like walk out into a war zone. Right. Like it was a very, very and, and to some extent still is, you know, a contentious time. And I'll tell you what, like, you know, and it wasn't just because I was traveling and playing golf courses. I mean, I was playing privates and super publics and, and spending time in cities and rural settings and in deserts and in mountains. And I, you know, I went everywhere and, and I pretty quickly learned that, you know what, people actually one-on-one get along like really well. 
Um, and that was nice. Thank, thank goodness. I hope that's what I would find. You know, this was in no small part. I wanted to do this trip because, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, that I wanted to feel really, I wanted to feel good about the, uh, my country and, 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 and America and, and sort of, and go out and see it and, and, and feel positive and feel like we were in a good place. And like I said, sitting at home and watching the news, I, I couldn't get that. Uh, that vibe. So I hope that I would go out and find good things. And I found them all over. Um, and again, not just golf, you know, mostly people, what people were interested in, what they wanted in their lives, um, that even, you know, that none of us were very different, um, all that different. Um, the golf course, of course, is this place of universal accord generally. Um, so that helps people getting along because we're all sort of after the same thing, um, par, you know. Um, but playing in so many different settings, whether it be very exclusive settings or the least exclusive settings, I just found out there were good people everywhere. And I probably had a chip on my shoulder of like, ah, there's, you know, three good people left in America and I'm one of them, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and it was good to find out that that very much was not the case. Um, uh, there were good folks everywhere and that was, that was great. Um, and, and definitely, uh, any preconceptions I had about the size of, you know, <laughs> of the country, you know, feeling like, all right, you know, I can, I've done Ireland, I've done Scotland. I know they're smaller, but we have all these interstates. It's not, you know, it, I'll, I'll get around. No problem. Um, America is vast. Oregon never ends. Montana is huge. Nebraska is its own nation state. It's so big. Uh, America is very, very, very large and uh, in many ways. But I learned that lesson pretty quickly as well. That is absolutely true. You'd written about there being a lack of real links golf in the U.S. You even mentioned it here. And then you played Bandon and that kind of changed your perception a little bit. But I think it's safe to say that you learned that there's a lot of dunes golf in this country which may be an American version of what Lynx is. Absolutely. I think that was um, pretty exciting uh, to find. It was a total education to me because I'd written before about our lack of true Lynx golf courses. And, everyone, and you know, people would write back, what about Bandon? What about Bandon, right? So, um, you know, been to Bandon now a few times. And, and yeah, I'm happy to say and, and willing to say for sure the, uh, the Bandon – seaside dunes sandy base um everything that you know mike kaiser found there it was no accident he was looking to build you know lynx golf in america and and succeeded and you know the real lynx purist will say um okay it has to have a lynx golf course needs to be have a sandy base so that you know the water drains in certain ways and the ball moves it's always firm and fast but also sort of fescue as well, that, that sort of crunchy grass that you feel when you're walking around in Scotland and Ireland. Um, and, you know, Kaiser's using, you know, fescue for the most part in his golf courses. Um, the problem with fescue, it turns brown. Mm -hmm. So most people are reluctant to use it on the greens. And But at Old McDonald at Bandon, it's 100% fescue. Right. Gamble Sands in Washington is 100% fescue as well. Um, I mean, these are like real golf nerd concerns, but it's, it, I think it, you know, it makes when your ball is like sliding across the fescue and then hits this nice, soft, smushy green, um, 
I want it to be the real deal. So (laughs) yes, we have links golf in Bandon. We have it also uh, in Cape Cod at the Highland links. There's a nine holer up there in Truro, uh, Massachusetts. And, and that is, uh, that is absolutely genuine links in my, in my opinion. So um, some American links, but like you pointed out, we have this amazing thing called, you know, Nebraska, the Sandhills of Nebraska, the, which are larger than Scotland and Ireland in their entirety. And, uh, you know, if you take in the middle parts too. So we essentially have the greatest doomscape. Um, and that was shocking to me because I think of Nebraska, I just think corn, right? I, I feel like I'm going to drive through a cornfield right. for a week. But what I actually started driving through was like this extraordinary golf terrain where you could build a million golf courses and they would all be great. And you wouldn't have to hardly have to move any earth. Right. Um, so, and sand Hills, the golf course brings that to everyone's attention. Still not easy to get to. And, and it's not, they're not never going to have a million golf courses because it is remote. It's, it's, it's a journey. But finding the, that sand, and even up through South Dakota, finding it in Wisconsin as well, at places like Sand Valley, where you know there have been some really cool geological phenomena over the millions of years that have dumped dumped sand and sea, you know, sea bottoms in the middle of our country mm-hmm. that are ideal links golf. They just don't have an ocean, so we have we have. Uh, I like that idea of like an American American links being. Uh, you know, what we have in Nebraska or Wisconsin or, or in some part in South Dakota as well. Would be fair to say that uh, American course design is kind of like the American population? It's just a big melting pot? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely variety was, you know, when we talk talk about like what is our strength um, as a golf country, um, you know, it's a very easy question to answer about Scotland. It's an easy question to answer about Ireland. I mean, it's their incredible dunescapes and links golf courses but uh the variety of golf in america is something that i really came to love and appreciate and not know from like day to day or week to week what kind of miracle was around the next corner and sometimes they felt like that you know because i mean you're going from desert golf to mountain golf to seaside golf Mm -hmm. to resort golf to muni golf to flat golf to hilly golf to um sand greens to real greens to mud greens you know i played ever i felt like i just played every kind of version of golf that you could that you could imagine and um it's pretty great isn't it i mean i think that's pretty awesome yeah it's all here if if you want it well and you have people that are inspired by one type even though they're not in that types of conditions and you see them trying to create one style in another and i mean it just it's that hybrid thing that you don't know what to expect yeah. in some courses the first time you play it. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think there were um, there were so many, you know, I think, okay, I'm in Iowa. Well, golf's going to be like this. Well, no, you know, I, 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 I played, uh, you know, I was going to be this sort of flat field of dreams golf experience. And then I'd, I'd walk into like the hilliest, um, uh, you know, Swope Memorial, like some just really wild, hilly golf courses with, with great, with great terrain and great land. Um, and it's, and I think what's cool is like the settings when they do suggest like sand hills in the sand hills, obvious, right. Um, that the setting itself suggests the sort of golf that you're, that you're going to get and, and getting sort of, um, 
where, where it really kind of fits where it belongs, mm-hmm. right? Like you're playing in Northwoods in, in Northern California, uh, or Northwood rather, and it's it's just this tree-lined, giant forest experience where you feel just hugged by the forest. And that just that just works. Like, you know, and, and then Mackenzie goes somewhere else and does something completely different. He does Cypress along the ocean right. and, and feels completely different. Um, I mean, there's just as an architect, I just think there's so many different palettes. There's so many different colors to paint with uh, golf wise in America that it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, uh, just a lot to play with. Did you find yourself having a particular fondness for a style that you might not have expected or were you still, when it's all said and done, like, I still prefer links over everything. <laughs> um, you know, firm and fast the firm and f- more firm and fast you can get it um and that's what i'm always going to find on a links but i would say um courses that i i think the favorite was this american link style golf where it's a, a sort of treeless windy experience um that plays really where everything is really firm and mm-hmm. and and where you can play the ball along the ground and that yes that happened at sand hills but that also happened at oakmont um just the firm and fastest golf course i've ever well and and now the trees have been removed you have that experience yeah exactly so so this um sort of i think it's a it's a it's a good trend um this sort of idea that you know opening up properties uh so that you can sort of see the scope of a golf course um it's better for the soil as well to sort of this deforestation of our golf courses um, it starts with Oakmont and then you're, you know, gosh, you've seen, you've seen it all over the place now. Um, so yeah, that kind of, um, that, that, that sort of windy firm, but I found that, you know, in places like East Ho and Catansit, um, at Highland Links, uh, you know, abandoned dunes. So I think, you know, we have soft, par- a lot of soft parkland golf in America, which can be, which can be fun. And in my head, that was all we had. Right. Cause, um, that's just what you play. So most of the time, but I think, I don't know if it's the influence of Scotland and Ireland or better architecture or just people. I think the bandon effect has something to do with it where people are like, Oh yeah, golf, let's play. Let's, let's play, uh, a little more along the ground. Let's play with a little more, um, these, these courses that offer a little more intrigue or, are fun. So I think you're, you're seeing that in places like Sweetens Cove and Winter Park courses that um, people love and where the ball rolls. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty fun, fun time when it does. Let's talk about the people that you've met up with. You met plenty in journeying across Ireland and Scotland. And I know in the lead up to this project, you reached out, I reached out to you two and a half years ago to give you ideas mm-hmm. I'm sure you were overloaded with ideas, offers, everything. You, it was really weeding through all the opportunities. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, I sort of uh, crowdfunded the uh, the I'd play where I would play. You know, asking for advice and throwing that out on social media. And I think I got like 800 courses that were must plays that you know I plugged into an itinerary and. Um, or rather I plugged into a spreadsheet and then I had a spreadsheet and a map going and a calendar and I'm trying to piece the whole thing together. I mean, this was the trip of all the, of Scotland, Ireland, and America. I mean, it, it was no surprise, but 
this was logistically um, the most challenging by a huge margin um, for a few reasons that were beyond like just the sheer quantity of golf, right? Like, where do I play? Okay, I decided to play every all 50 states and then every U.S. Open venue. So that just sort of gave me some tent poles and markers and things to try and hit. Uh, I broke the country up into chunks and said, all right, I'll play this chunk here and I'll, I'll do this piece that, you know, so that I could get home once in a while to see my family. And, and so I'd kind of map a route through, through each chunk and hit the courses I had to hit. And then the courses people would recommend or say, like, or where I had an invitation. And that was the tricky part, right? And the difference in doing a golf in America book with Scotland and Ireland. I mean, every once in a while, there'd be a tournament on or something that would screw up my itinerary. But everywhere I wanted to play, they welcomed visitors. Mm -hmm. They were private clubs, but accessible golf courses. There is a there's a sort of a, a a line between club and course there, right? Yep. And when you come as a visitor, you are welcomed in as like a member for a day. So, um, that is obviously not not what we have over here, especially when I'm trying to play all the U.S. Open courses, which for the most part um or private a lot of very <laughs> difficult gets yeah and, and very private so um you know after mapping it out and then making all the pieces fit these 300 rounds that i ended up playing to fit into eight months and then having to contend with the fact that like i need to meet somebody who belongs here like i i don't know anybody at such and such course or los angeles country club or riviera or mm -hmm. um you know, I probably, thankfully with the other books and whatnot, I, I probably had an easier time of that than um, if, if I didn't have a, a background of writing in golf, but it still wasn't easy. And, uh, and then working with other people's schedules and getting a member to host and then that member can't make it and maybe can set you up with someone else. It was like jug and I do, I'm doing this for like 200 golf courses. So like juggling all that, it was, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't actually, I'm, I'm shocked it came together now that I think about it, but I've got the book here, so <laughs> something must work. Well, not only have I read the book, but I also dove through the list of courses you played, and many of them have little or no mention in the book, and I understand that as an editor, but as a human, as a man who, during this journey, has no need for extra golf when you're going as hard as you did, how frustrating was it to go four or five hours in a round? And you come away and you're like, there's nothing for me to write about in this round. <laughs> um, somewhat frustrating, but as long as I was playing golf, I'm usually pretty good. Like there were definitely days where I knew I was going into a round um, that wasn't going to didn't know because you never know. Right. Maybe two, you meet something happens. You have a hole in one. Who knows? Like something great could come of it but there were rounds on there where i thought no, this isn't gonna be in the book you know um i don't i don't need to be here or be doing this but i was playing golf mm -hmm. and i'm a golf junkie so like i'm good you know if, if i was I, i'm never disappointed to have been playing um now when i get to my laptop at night to like take notes and realize like man i've had like four days in a row where like I don't have a great story. You know, there's nothing terribly notable. Yeah. Um, 
which would mean a couple, one of two things. One, it's either just, it's not going to be in the book or two, I just, I had to work a little harder. Um, because I think if you're, if you look closely enough and your knives are sharp enough and you work hard enough as a, as a writer, you can find a story. Sure. I can find a story and sitting here and staring at the wall. Um, it's going to be kind of probably a pretty weird story, but you know, I can find something, right. Um, it's nicer when the, these, when the big stories just start dropping into your lap and you're just like catching them. Right. And you're like, Oh man. Um, and by the end of playing a 300 courses that I had more than I needed. Yeah. Um, and, but there is that question, right? Like, did I need this much? I could have written a pretty good book with a, with a hundred, with a hundred golf courses, but who knows what I would have missed. And, um, at least this way I can say I played every state and there aren't too many courses where I've, I've other golf still to go play in this country, but there weren't too many that I finished when I finished, I, when I finished, I felt done. I'll say that on the flip side. Share with us what it's like in the moment as you're in Chicago or Amsterdam, New York, or Kansas, or the Arizona desert, and you know, as it's happening, as you're talking to people, this is going to make a great story. This is going to great make a great part of my book. It's, uh, it's exciting because it all makes like sense. There's this feeling of like when you're traveling like this, playing this much golf, put all the sort of planning into it, spent this time away from your family, spent a lot of money. Um, there can, there can be moments of like, I do I have a book? Like, I, I don't like every time I've done this, I felt like, I don't know if I have a book, right. There's, there's so much doubt and insecurity. I think that generally goes with the writing life in general, or maybe life in general. Mm -hmm. So um, there's that fear of like, I, I don't know. And then what, but then, like you said, once in a while, all those places that you refer to where you, you're like, wow, this is actually happening. And, and this is why I did the book. Like, so it, it, not only do you feel like, all right, I got to get to my laptop because I've got a lot of material just to collect here. There's this other feeling of like, I was right. You know, that, that just feels good in your soul. Like I, I, I'm not crazy, right? This, I'm not just doing this to play a lot of golf. You know, like I, I came out here to get great stories and it's working. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, um, that is sort of that that kind of like personal proof of concept is uh very very gratifying yeah well i mean there's 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 the feeling of yeah it's great to do art for yourself yeah. but it's also really nice when you know it's going to be something that others are going to appreciate no doubt when um and that was what this book i feel like you know ireland was trying to survive well, I, I mean, you know, I did Paper Tiger, which was very much about my personal quest. Ireland was like about, can I do this? Scotland, there were a lot of very personal sort of my adventures. And I'm glad people were entertained by them and read them. But this, to me, is a very much, um, and the most of like, is like an us book. Um, there's a lot of other characters. There's a lot of other people. There's relationships with my my dad. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I I'm yeah, it, I'm the narrator and it's me on this crazy quest, but I'm, I think I get upstaged a lot and I, that in a good way by other people, um, which is, which is great. And like, yeah, like you said, when, when things start to happen where you're like, wow, um, 
I'm, I'm just here to collect this. And it's not about, I don't have to do anything um, to make this entertaining or interesting. This isn't about me. This is about the circumstance that I've been put in and I can just be a reporter. And um, I'm not generally a reporter. I'm generally um, a character and a chronicler, you know, if you will. So it's, it's just awesome when you're like, wow, okay, uh, keep talking because I'm, I'm digging what you're throwing down. Another thing I came up with in reading was that there's this interesting balance that we'd all as golfers love to have a place where we could just grab a club or two, go outside, play some holes, go inside, move on with our day. Like just, just a great part of the day. But you mentioned it a couple times that there are courses that you played where that was kind of the concept but you're like, I really wish this was like I'm playing from set tees so I could keep a handicap and really appreciate this moving forward. That there's the, the, these two sides of the coin of of recreational swinging a club and hitting a ball versus playing organized golf. Yeah, that was a um, that's insightful to note that because that was sort of um, the golf the spiritual conflict, the soulful conflict of the story that there were some places I was finding that were very much about, and I think this is a, a really positive trend in golf, but there are more people who just want to kind of go out and swing golf clubs and be in a community and um, in uh, where it's not about rules and handicap indexes and slope ratings and where the game is less unencumbered by a lot of the stuff that we've put upon it. Um, and, and just, you know, the sort of free soul of golf, right. The free spirit stuff, which I absolutely love, you know, and, and I can, I can get into that and tap into that. But at the end of the day, I want to know, I want to post a score. Mm -hmm. Like I I'm competitive with my, with myself, you know, I want to know, am I getting better? Or am I getting worse? Do I need to work on this or work on that? Um, I'm still of the belief that my best golf is ahead of me, you know? And, and I'm always, and I probably will until they put me in a box. <laughs> um, so I, I hope so at least. So, yeah. So when you go to some courses where um, there would be no tees, and it was just like, hey, you know, just go out there and feel it. And uh, there's, or there would be like par, you know, um, mm -hmm. it, where it's just about it's about you playing. There was a part of me about that that really appealed to. It was very pure. Um, and it was old, too, but aside from the not T part. But like par is like a, mo a sort of a modern concept and we're probably better off without it. But um if we would just think of mat golf as a match play game as it was sort of invented but um I, I won't go down that that rabbit hole here uh <laughs> but there was something i really liked about all that but then at the end of the day it was like ah oh, you know i played well you know i shot you know i, I don't know what par is but i don't know i had 73 and i can't post it because there's no handicap rating here because i don't have t-markers right um so let's find a happy medium. Let's let the uh, the numbers people. I, I think I think I have both sides to my, my golfing personality. Like I love par three courses and all the short courses and stuff, but um, 
if I play, if I like shoot lights out, like I want to be able to record that somehow. Um, because, uh, I have a hard time. It's just what I'm used to doing. And I I like to know where, where I stand and I like to document, obviously (laughs) I like to document things. I just uh, talked about this on on the podcast uh, two weeks ago that I just went to Bandit and here there was all these other courses and I was playing fairly poorly to start the week and I went and played shorties, the little par three course at the practice center. Oh, And here I went and played nine holes at two over par and I'm like, why can't that count? I had a blast playing in the rain without rain gear, just un- unprepared. I didn't care yeah. and was having a blast. And it's the type of thing where it's like, that was great. Now, why can't I post that one? I, why, why do I have to post the score where I was in the eighties? Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I think we can, we can probably, USJ could probably figure that out, but um, <laughs> don't, I wouldn't count on it anytime soon. You mentioned part of this journey was to hit all the U.S. Open courses. Did you get them? All the existing ones, I certainly did. I think there's a course uh, in New York that's no longer with us, and a few have moved, so I didn't necessarily play the golf course. Uh, Like mm, Fresh Meadow, right? They moved, um, and the course no longer exists, so... There were some of those Philly cricket. There's only nine holes or really six holes left of that course uh, where they had the U S open. So um, to the best that it can be done. Yes. I I did get to all the, uh, all the U S open venues. Not asking for a favorite, but was there one that jumped out that, or or just made an impact on you? Maybe surprised you. Yeah. St. Louis. Um, St. Louis Country Club was a great surprise. So it's a McDonald golf course. Um, and that's really all I knew about it. So I was excited and like, ah, okay, cool. See some cool, maybe there'll be some funky templates or, you know, whatever you kind of get it. You know, there'll be some architectural interest, um, but it was cool. It was funky. It had like back-to-back par threes and moved and had great land movement. Another thing that I wasn't necessarily associating with with Missouri and um, and great, great golf holes. And it was an old polo club that had mm-hmm. the range was a polo field where I think they still played polo and, 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 and the best logo, it, it, like horseshoes and a whip, like turned into St. Louis country club. It's just awesome. Great. Welcome. The pro was awesome. It was one of those, it was just a course where I knew nothing about it. Obviously the U S open has not been there in a very long time. And I had very low, I had no expectations because I knew nothing about it. And that's really the best way to go into these golf courses and to go into anything probably in life because it showed itself to be just an absolute blast. Um, you know, I had high expectations for Shinnecock, high expectations for Oakmont. I think they both surpassed them, but, um, you know, it's great when you, when you're just not sure and then it ends up really being special. It's the best. And you talked about clubs that were really hard to get into hard, you know, the process of getting in was tough. Was there one of those that just turned out to be a true jewel where you're like, yeah, where's the paperwork? I'll, I'll sign over uh, the lease to my house right now to join. There's a few, there's a couple I'll keep as a surprise to whether I get on them or not. Um, but, uh, 
I would say like the course that if I could join tomorrow, um, Oakmont to me is just where it's at. I, 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 I love everything about it. Um, the golf course, the shot, the challenge, the, the variety of shots, the look of it, the people are fantastic. Like when you go to like a top 10, generally go to like a top 10 course or private course. Um, sometimes there's this feeling of like, you get this air of like, you know, you're lucky to be here, you know? And like, you know, when you leave, we're going you know, to, that'll, that'll be good. You know, uh, uh, enjoy your golf and then, uh, and spend some money and then buy, you know, right. like you don't always get the warm and fuzzies. Um, it, it, maybe it's the Pittsburgh thing, but at Oakmont, they want you to have fun. They want you to love it. Like in the shop, like they want, they want to help you out and pick out something for your wife. And, um, and the, and the starter is so is great. And the, the pros happy to help you and people are excited you're there and, you're not, you're not walking around scared, which is sometimes what happens at, I think at some places that can be kind of intimidating and Oakmont is not. And that's, that's the kind of place for me. I'm not really into that whole like vibe of, I don't ever want to bring anyone to a golf course or go to even go to a golf course and feel, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, like I don't belong. Um, you know, that, that sucks. And, and it's an American experience because, I played, <laughs> I've played the old course. And if I feel like I belong there, then what right do we have to, <laughs> to make anyone feel like they don't belong in any golf course? So, um, yeah, Oakmont was, was awesome like that. Well, we've talked about the access issue of private and, and how it's different here in the States. And we've talked about the balance. And this is another one of those areas because as I read some of your stories, there were a couple courses where you talked about what made it really special was that no one was on the course Yeah, that you could just kind of enjoy it yourself. And unfortunately that really is only possible in that super exclusive setting that doesn't allow visitors. It is a, uh, it is a devil's bargain um, that I, I, I go back and forth on a few times in the book, you know um, that I'm like excited to be at this place, but I'm also, I have misgivings, like, because I, I, I'll probably, one, I'll never get back to uh, the fact that, you know, that they are so exclusive. Uh, some of them on excluding women um, as a father, of two little girls, like to play a course where they would not be welcome to play is not, I'm like, you know, I had to stop and think about that. And, and um, there'll be people who might not love the conclusions that I come to in the book, but that's, that's fine. Um, so yeah, that, that balance of like, you know, we should do it differently and we can do better, but at the same time, you know, what's super cool about getting to play such and such it's that nobody's there and it's like such a rare and cool opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. So that adds this sort of golden goose feeling adds some of the, the drama and excitement to playing there there's no doubt about it you know but is there a way to do both things isn't there like i'm i was pretty damn excited to play muirfield um that was pretty special right and it felt very exclusive and very like oh i'm very lucky to be here and like in a good way um because they had you know 
four hours a week or whatever for visitors to come and play, you know? So th- I, I think there's just a way to, to do it a little bit, a little better, um, to not be so anxious about letting people on our golf courses, mm-hmm. you know? Now, I don't recall for sure, but I may have been one of those that directed you to the Arm & Hammer Pony Course in Holmby Hills, L.A. I'm going to give you full credit, Ralph. Okay. Well, yard for yard, is there a more nerve-wracking 18 holes in the country? No chance. <laughs> I, well, I mean, really, you have, more, have to go more like foot for foot. It is uh, – what a blast we had. And then just like the whole thing, I'm so glad um, – that we did that i think i had seen you recommended it um i think eric andrews lang went there with uh jeff shackleford at one point and played a couple holes that i saw um but i had a blast and you know we played it in like basketball shorts and um at a park that's surrounded by maseratis and we're just and the, and the holes are 40 yards long and a block away from LA country club. Yeah. And it's right there. Right. So it's set in like, you know, and ribs close and you're right there. So it's like set in the, in the, it's the muniest of munis set in the most, like in the poshest setting mm-hmm. one could imagine. <clears throat> and you know, you're putting, you can barely find the holes. The greens are so overgrown, you know, the beards are like, covering yeah well and they're not there's not much of a green there it's more like uh welcome mats really yeah it's just a little circle of where they might have mowed they didn't even have enough flags when we were there so we were at one point we teed off and we thought we were on a tee we were on a green taking divots out of the green (laughs) there was no difference you couldn't tell it was a blast man And, and that that was such a nice you love when you get that kind of ebb and flow and la really had that i was which i i love that part of the trip to go from arm and hammer to LACC talk about a different vibe Mm -hmm. and then to go play Riv and play Penmar, um, you know, and that at the time probably still it was lined with tents, um, of the homeless because there's nowhere for them to go in LA. And, um, I mean, I was just taught, you know, I, that is the experience of LA, isn't it? That, that just, you just see it all, like all these different sort of walks of walks of life um, from the glamor to the, to the, uh, to the struggle. Um, and you certainly saw it in the golf courses too, which was um, uh, pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> Great people down there. Yeah. And you got, and you learned that if you're going to try to hit a flop shot, you better not skull it. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> It was like you're walking around and there's just all these, you know, it was a Saturday morning. So everyone's out walking. They're like, they're, they're a little tiny, tiny dog. They're and, toy dogs. Yeah. Yeah. The toy dog show and everyone's dressed to the nines. And oh my gosh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was just fascinating. People watching, blending in some, some pitch and putt. It was a blast. Now we get to the toughest part of the interview. Because I'm assuming you had Carolina, Texas, and Kansas City. So what was your favorite barbecue on the road? Ooh. I <laughs> go with um, Kansas City for the burnt ends. That was a revelation to me. I'd never had a burnt end. I'm still not sure of which end uh, they're coming from. Um, but that, I guess, I think it's the, maybe it's the end of the rib or the end of the brisket and they cut it up and then barb do smoke it or something but 
Um, so that I was like eating like popcorn. I mean, melt in your mouth meat uh, that I absolutely, I could eat a bucket of it. Um, that was the best. That was the best. But yeah, I had barbecue everywhere. Um, it was a bit of a culinary journey. You know, I, I did Texas barbecue. Um, I like my North Carolina barbecue. I, I don't, you know, discriminate um, when it comes to barbecue. I had wings in Buffalo. Um, Burger Dog at Olympic was was better than I dreamed it could be. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's, there's, there's more food in this book than the other ones, I think. Yeah, I, I had heard about the Burger Dog. And when I experienced it, I was like, okay, wow, this is... It really something is. I want to have. Yeah, really, really good. <laughs> you learned about a lot of golf, people, food, land. How'd you feel about the country after this journey? I'll tell you what, a lot better than when I left. And um, I found a lot of things were interesting. Um, one, like I mentioned before, like we get along pretty well. Like when we're not in our big, in when we don't get into groups and shout, at each other, you know, person to person, I think we all can pretty well relate, you know, we're all after the same things. And, and I was meeting people person to person. And that was that was great. And uh, people are really, really good. Um, I also found that, uh, I don't know, like you watch the news and everyone seems crazy. And I actually almost wish I met more crazy people, it would have been better. <laughs> I would have had more, more stories. I met a few. Um, but I think, uh, whether it be on social media or on TV or whatever, we like to highlight folks who live way out on the edges in terms of their beliefs, their actions, their attitudes, the things that they say, and you think they're the norm, but they're not really like the norm are generally a lot like each other. And, and I was, that was pretty cool to find. I was interested to see as well, like the huge role that, um, something that living, you know, being an East coast, whatever, you know, uh, living in an East coast city, <clears throat> something that you don't think about or see as much, the huge role that the military plays in the day-to-day -day life of, um, of our country. And so driving over like what, um, you know, so yeah, we've got LA, we've got New York, Philadelphia, whatever. Um, as I'm, visiting all the rest of it, like how many towns revolved around the base mm -hmm. or how many people served or were active duty or, um, you know, that was interesting because I played and not by design. I played with so many service members along the way. Um, and that opened my eyes and it actually got me thinking a lot more about my dad, uh, who's a Lieutenant commander in the Navy and, uh, long time retired. Um, but the role that golf played in his life. And so that sort of expanded the story in a, in an interesting way. And, um, so I felt, um, I came out feeling good. Uh, and I felt like there's a lot of people who work really hard and make sacrifices, um, that don't get any credit and don't get any, um, don't get any love, don't get any column inches or, or news coverage. Um, that are just kind of doing their thing, you know? And uh, when we don't sit around just talking about or highlighting the worst of us, uh, we're, we're better off. Not that we can't do better in so many different ways, but um, you know, that we're better off than I 
than I thought we were. Much better off, actually. And that was, that did my soul good. Final thing. You're on the spot. Somebody's planning a three, four, five day friends golf getaway here in the States. Mm-hmm. Foursome, maybe it's an eightsome. They want a little trip. Where would you advise they go? So many places they might go. Um, but here's where I'm going to recommend. I'm going to say the great golf state of Wisconsin. I'm going Aaron Hills, Lasonia, um, Sand Valley, and Kohler. I mean, and that could even be more, that's like a, more like a week, really, if you want it to be. But um, mm-hmm. for me, being from Philadelphia, where great accessible golf is, public golf, just, it ain't happening. We don't have resort golf either. We have awesome golf, but um, your name has to be like Wanamaker to play most of it. So, um, you know, to go to Wisconsin and just see like all these places that you can just play. And where you can stay as well. You can stay at Aaron Hill, stay at Sand Valley, stay at Kohler. Lasonia is a, is a public public with two really good golf courses. One exceptional golf course. Uh, one gold, a golden age. You know, you, don't, you think golden age courses are all sort of stuck on the East Coast or maybe out in California, but they, uh, uh, Lasonia Lynx is, is legit. So I'd say go to Wisconsin. Uh, it's easy, easy driving hour it's all within like an hour two hours in madison and you can just uh just see some incredibly beautiful country people couldn't be nicer and the curds curds are delicious see you've evolved it might have been that it was abandoned just some time ago because it was lynx golf now yeah. you're open to all different styles <laughs> I, I i it is a, this it's this life it's quite a journey ralph you never know where it's going to take you your journey has taken you around and across countries, uh, learning some of the secrets of golf. You found your share. If our listeners have not read your books, they absolutely need to, especially a course called America, because it does relate to so many things beyond the world of golf. But uh, it also brought you here to the range again. So thanks for joining us once again, and good luck with the book. Thanks so much, Ralph. Great to be back. That was Tom Coyne in his new book, A Course Called America, hits bookshelves and online providers later this month, but you can definitely pre-order it now. Personally, I would recommend reading A Course Called Ireland, then A Course Called Scotland, and finishing with A Course Called America. Believe it or not, these true stories are linked. Who knew? Before we go, we saw some sales figures from some of the biggest equipment names in golf as a Kushnet, the parent company of FootJoy and Titleist, posted a 42% increase in net sales from a year ago. The numbers are also a 34% jump over 2019 to give some more perspective. And Callaway also had a huge first quarter, achieving record numbers and a 47% increase over 2020. The numbers are up 26% from 2019. We also saw the sale of TaylorMade Golf from KPS Capital Sponsors to Korean Investment Consortium Centroid Investment Partners. That's a sign that the company is in a better fiscal state and ready to continue moving forward. One thing is certain, the equipment made for players around the world has never been better. And obviously, folks are looking for more of it. Does that mean you need an upgrade? Maybe. But what this definitely should do is make you wonder about an evaluation of what you're using. You never know. Great things may be waiting out there just for you. What's new for 2021 in golf equipment? Find out with the Golf Spotlight. We are dropping new features all the time, looking at clubs, accessories, footwear, and more. 
go to thegolfspotlight.com, click on the YouTube subscribe button, and turn on those notifications so you never miss one of our features. There is a lot to catch up on. Stay up to date on the range by following us on Instagram at The Golf Spotlight. We're also on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments everywhere. You've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That'll do it for this episode of The Range, so let's hit the course, whether it's your well-known local venue or someplace entirely new. Enjoy the company, the golf, and the adventure, and we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.